I feel like you guys are a long way away. Yeah. I have to be back here because my cord is plugged in for my computer. Um, technology is not my thing, I'm just going to tell you. So the fact that I've got this hooked up, Jackson helped me, and the computer's turned on and plugged in, I feel good about myself. You guys can report to Robbie and Janet that we had AVL. Um, hey, let's jump in. We may have a few folks join us. Um, I don't know if the word got out that it's just me tonight and half of our class decided to play hooky. Um, but we'll record it. You can always go back, by the way, and listen to recordings. It is on the website. Um, I think it's newcity.us academy. Um, so you can find audio stuff there if you, if you miss. But um, I thought I would just start. Um, we're gonna, tonight we're going to talk about the eternal Jesus. So we're going to talk about how um, you know, Jesus has always existed, um, which is an interesting thought that no one created Jesus, um, that he's always been. And so we'll go into some scriptures and talk about what that looks like. Um, and I want to talk about a gospel narrative too and how really all of the Bible from beginning to end is one story about Jesus um, and use some words from Jesus himself to describe that and how that works. Um, so I thought I would start there. Let's see if I can advance. Uh-oh. I did it. Well, guys, I've reached the end of my technology. <laughs> yeah, I did it. Let's, tr- let's, 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 let's cut the recording. <laughs> Maybe just restart it. Perfect. Awesome. Okay, so that's great. Thank you, Jackson. Um, some reflections from our last class. Um, so we talked about the humanity of Jesus. Do you guys remember last week? I can hardly remember last week. I can hardly remember yesterday. Um, but we talked about that Jesus was human. Remember we watched that he gets us. Are y'all familiar with that? Um, those of you who weren't here, um, just a, it's a, I hate to use the word campaign, but it is, it's an ad campaign that a group of people have started to try to make Jesus more accessible. And um, you can Google it, just he gets us and they've got a bunch of, but we watched a video from, that ran during the Super Bowl um, and talked about refugees fleeing and you think it's modern day, but actually it's telling the story of Jesus and his family fleeing um, Bethlehem uh, to Africa. So we, look, we looked at He Gets Us. Um, we talked about that Jesus was a man without sin. Do you remember that from Hebrews 4? We talked about um, the fact that Jesus um, was the only person that was tempted in every way but didn't succumb to temptation, so he was without sin. Um, and we talked about, remember from Philippians, that Jesus emptied himself. Come on in. Um, and made himself nothing, you know, for us. So we looked at the fact that Jesus was fully God and fully man um, together. And yeah, so any, anybody from last week, is there anything as you've pondered a little bit more or, you know, read the first couple of chapters, if you have, of the Jesus I've, uh, I never knew? Um, any, before we jump into this week, anything that you'd like to just share that popped out to you as you reflected on our class last week or anything from your readings? Um, that you'd like to um, share with the group before we get started? I know there's somebody that's dying to share something. I'll say this. Uh, awesome. Yeah, this is my first time uh, in the class because I was uh, uh, in China uh, for the month of uh, September. 
I will tell you that um, it moved, it took heaven on earth to access this website. It was a great firewall, no joke. Really? <laughs> um, but we were able to get a VPN. But I think what was awesome is that you know my wife and I, uh, you know, in China, uh, being able to listen, like, to, to carry on with all the different uh, things that you all spoke about as whole, and you know my wife's parents and some of our friends that were there were, were asking questions like, "What are you guys wow. doing?" Um, and we always explain to them that you know faith is really important. We know in China it's a little bit taboo, but you know I was talking to Tammy outside the city that we were in, Tianjin, which is it's a tier one city, so China's cities are, are different tiers based on population. Mm. And Tianjin itself is a very international city. There's actually a Catholic church that's like popped right in the middle of the uh, city as a whole. So wow. it was good for us to kind of talk faith and talk about you know some of the stuff that we were learning through the reporting um, as a whole. And I, I would just say that you know what's always interesting is you know what we're doing discovering Jesus, we are able to at least see snippets of that mm. in our engagements, in our conversations with our friends and our and my wife's family as a whole. So I, I, don't, I don't know if that sounds like an encouragement or No, anything, it's a huge encouragement. Yeah, I have to say, it, it, was, it was awesome. Can, yeah, you, I mean, can you remind us of your name? Vu. Just the, Vu. Yeah, Vu. Okay. And you could hear our dialogue. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> could you hear Drew? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not quiet. Yeah. For sure. There's an, there's an arrest warrant for you in China. There you go, I'm sure. I know the reporting, like, you, 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 keep, yeah. you cut out the cable conversations, but just the main dialogue oh, yeah. Robbie had, or if it was oh, Gabe, oh. or you all. Yeah. So, it was, uh, it was so great. great. Yeah. That's amazing. That's a huge encouragement to us, I think. Yeah. yeah. And can you remind us of your, just what, what you were doing there, and yeah, just um, really quickly, just kind of. Yeah, yeah. So uh, my wife, she's actually in the Old Testament class, so mm-hmm. you can't miss her. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, she hasn't been uh, home uh, to China since, of course, the pandemic. So yeah. really, last time she was in China was December 2019. So we know that wow. was really the month uh, you know, that started everything in China. Um, but we, uh, I've been, I was gifted a sabbatical this year uh, from my company. So I took a month off in the month of September. And I could have done uh, multiple things. Uh, I, you know, just prayed about it and said, hey, um, it's, it's been a challenging year for my wife and I. I said, let's go home to China. And, you know, don't worry about everything else that's going on. You know, find fellowship, find, you know, be with your family because I know it's been tough on her. So I was there just to visit my in-laws. So. Good for you. Yeah. You're a good husband. There's other dynamics, but I'll, I'll talk more about that later. <laughs> Um, yeah, and and so how did you just really quickly? How did you find like like what is China like right now, like post pandemic yeah. and going I mean, back? It's, it, so it's what's it, what's interesting is that you know, uh, and I'm saying this from a very neutral standpoint, but I know what we see on the media says a certain thing. But China honestly was back to business like the U.S. I mean, that's you know. I didn't think there was anything different. I think the environment was definitely a little bit more difficult to speak to because, mm. um, you know, without going into too many details, you know, I made it very known that I'm American. I'm very proud to be an American. And the people I'm facing off with were very nationalistic, very prideful, which is, you know, with every citizen. But I think there's always common ground. But, you know, when it is talking about sensitive subjects like faith, like 
freedoms and liberties and things like that. There is a hmm. certain ground that you have to be careful to cross. Um, I have ran into people who are very, you know, one guy was saying that we're going to war next year. I'm like, I don't think uh, God wants that. I don't think I want that either. But, yeah. uh, but you know, it, it's, it's kind of like the U.S., but we're just a different place. So hmm. I would say. Well, thanks for sharing with us. <laughs> yeah, that's great. You guys kept me going during that. That's so great. That was it. That's all my in-laws. Thank you. Well, you're a huge encouragement to us. Yeah, th- thanks for joining us. Glad you're here tonight. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so um, we did kind of put together, um, you know, a, um, I guess I would call it just kind of our our, our group code, you know, kind of how we're going to, um, respect each other as learners. Um, just want to review this every week that, that this is a space we've created intentionally to, to be open and curious and interested. Um, and that's a great posture to enter the room with. Um, some of us have been following Jesus for a while. Some of us are just starting to follow Jesus. Some of us are investigating what it means to follow Jesus. And, and that's great. Um, and so when we get into our uh, group discussions or even in the room, like you, you might have something to share or add um, that could really benefit someone. And, and it might be that somebody sitting next to you has something that could really help you, you know, in your journey. So that's our desire in this class is just, you know, create a, a place that we're curious and open and interested, that we're respecting each other um, and the stories and kind of the things that we bring to the table. Um, one of the things that I wanted that you asked for thoughts and my thoughts went over there and yeah. never mentioned it. This is bringing me back. I've been walking with Jesus for a long time now. Mm. And I find that I interact with a lot of people that are unsure of their walk mm. or that are probably new to their walk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to laugh. You know, that Sunday school was the flannel graph and uh, yeah that's what it was but you know you can't bring an adult down to that level but I can't expect somebody new to be able to understand what I'm saying if I just jump straight into the well the gospel says you know and then you turn them off so Mm. for me reading this book is helping reset me on how to meet people where they are not where I am so good thank you for sharing that um, gonna get you the book, boo. I promise. <laughs> We're out of books, which is a great thing. We ordered, I think, twenty-five or thirty, and and we've given them all out. So we'll order some more. But if you haven't started the book, I would encourage you. You know, we we've we've kind of positioned it as like a backdrop to the class. So we're not going chapter by chapter through it in our time. But I would tell you, I think it would make our time together in here richer. Um, and I do think it's a great. It's just a great book. I mean. Billy Graham called it, you know, one of the best books on Jesus that's ever been written. So I tend to agree. Like, it's just, it's very accessible. It's very deep um, as well. And I think thought provoking. So the opening chapter, if you started it, is the Jesus I thought I knew. And it's, we've been having this discussion of kind of what presupposed ideas did we have coming to the table based on our family of origin, our church experience, you know, what brings us, you know, to the tables tonight and our understanding of Jesus. Um, which I just, you know, I think is very thought-provoking to what Jesus have I constructed or has been constructed for me? And as I study the scriptures and hear the actual words of Jesus, do they, do they match up together? Um, have I put him in a box? Have I put him in a box? Yeah, talks about that. So 
Um, yeah, I was just thinking, I, I had a conversation with someone one time where, you know, lots of times, but this one time for, uh, um, specifically where they said, I don't, I don't believe in Jesus, which fine. Um, but my question, you know, back was tell me the Jesus that you don't believe in, because I may not, I may not believe in, oh, I may not believe in him either. Um, you know, some people, they, they have an idea or they, they were told something about Jesus and we have to always be going back to the scriptures and the authentic stories of what Jesus said, what he did, um, you know, to, to match up. Have I constructed a Jesus or has someone exported a Jesus onto me that really doesn't match up with, with the God of the Bible? Okay. Uh huh. Did they? Could they answer? No. They answered with, "I'm anti-organized religion." Okay. Well, that's not agnostic. Yeah. You know, it's. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes or no? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I just don't like going to organized church. Well, then you're not agnostic. Yeah. Interesting, <laughs> huh? So, since we're on that, let's just do a little. So, agnosticism is that. You know, I believe that there's a God, but that he can't be known or they can't be known. Um, and atheistic, of course, is that I don't believe there is a God. So um, most people are born in the agnostic um, camp, you know, of I believe in a higher power. I believe in some kind of creative force or something. Yeah, but I just I don't believe that we could know them or know him. All right. OK, we're going to be patient. Uh, be patient with your facilitator tonight and technology issues. We're going to be diligent to learn. So I do want to foot stomp this one. Um, just again, you know, we're preparing and we're you know, putting together slide decks and um, questions and all kinds of things. But you're going to get the most out of this class, you know, based on how much you put into it in terms of your, your readings, going further with the stuff we talk about, the passages we talk about, reading the book. Um, you know, finding other things uh, to cross-reference in your study. So I just want to—I just want to encourage you in that. Uh, and these are—these are not. Remember, we—I didn't come up with these. We came up with these together. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're going to strive for practice and process, and not perfection. So I shared with one of our staff members today that um, perfection is the enemy of progress. So none of us are perfect in here. We're not going to have a perfect class. We're not going to have perfect answers for everything. But we're—we're we're taking steps you know, closer to Jesus and progressing in our faith. Um, we're going to be willing to be transformed and not just informed. I don't remember who shared this one, but if you're in the room, maybe just give us a quick word about um, what you meant by that. Maybe we're missing that person. Well, here's well, how I take it is we're not just after head knowledge, um, you know, facts about Jesus. We're, we're really trying to, to see how Jesus changes our life. And yes, knowledge is a part of that, but um, yeah, that's that's not that's not all there is. I can express that too. Yeah, Matt, it's go not ahead. about information so much as about provocation. There you it's go. like an interpretive learning style or something. Okay, I like it. What was the word that you used? Uh, not about information, about provocation. It's trying to evoke a oh provocation evoke a feeling of warmth and light. Yeah. That's yeah. Contextually. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's a great word. Like. Some classes, I think you might walk away going, I, I really learned like, like data points about Jesus, just like, and some of them you may walk away going, I've got, I've got another question, you know, or it stirred something up in me that I just want to know more. 
And I think both are equally valuable, you know, in learning. All right. Um, and we're going to let uh, the Bible be our grounding. So we are going to keep coming back to what do the scriptures say about Jesus? Remember, um, we're going to talk about a story tonight that Jesus um, shared with a couple of folks on the road. Um, remember that the Bible um, is, is broken down into three different categories. And we've talked about this in Academy, but um, so forgive me if I'm being redundant. Um, I've mentioned it from up front, but um, we've got foundational books of the Bible. We've got historical books and instructional books. And that's really the same three categories for, for both the Old Testament and New Testament. So our foundational books in the New Testament, anybody want to take a crack at it? There's four of them. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. And the word gospel means good news. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the stories and the collection of, of writings about the good news of Jesus. And so I typically use the phrase, they're selected biographies. So if you ever read a biography about your favorite person in history, no one's going to be completely comprehensive about that person. They can't know everything about their life. John, who wrote one of the Gospels, said at the end of his Gospel, if all of the stories about Jesus were written down, I mean, he's using hyperbole, but he says there wouldn't be enough books in the world to contain the stories about Jesus. So, so what is he trying to say? I couldn't tell you everything. I, I couldn't share everything with you, but through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, these are the stories that God wanted us to know about Jesus. So it's a selected biography about who he was, what he taught, what he did. Um, so in those four books, those are the foundations of the New Testament because they're telling us who Jesus is. The very thing that we're, we're on a journey with together, discovering Jesus, that's what the Gospels, the whole purpose of the Gospels is. All right, there's one historical book. Does anyone remember what that is? Acts, the book of Acts. So. The book of Acts was written by Luke, who also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And so if you go and read the Gospel of Luke, the third book in the New Testament, and then you skip over a book to, to Acts, you'll see that they, they actually fit together. They were written as one. Um, so when the scriptures were divided out into different you know, sections and books, they were, they were split apart, but they were written as one letter. And so what Luke wanted to do, Luke was a first-rate historian. So... The, the most historically, in terms of people, places, times, dates, facts, figures, is Luke. He's a physician. He's very precise. So he's going to tell you all kinds of names and places and dates and, and people, very historical. And he does that for Jesus, and then he does the same thing in the book of Acts, which the book of Acts is the history of the church, the history of the early church. So it's, it's all about the beginnings of the church. So it starts with Jesus' ascension, his promise of the giving of the Holy Spirit, then Pentecost, the giving of the Holy Spirit. Peter, Peter preaches the first sermon, you remember? And he, he quotes three passages, two Psalms and from the book of Joel. And 3,000 people are, are saved that day. And remember in the context, the people that were saved were Jews. Because it was during Pentecost. Pentecost was a festival that took place 50 days after Passover. So it had been 50 days since Passover. Jesus was crucified buried and resurrected on Passover weekend, 50 days later, Pentecost happens. All of these Jews from all over the world are gathered in Jerusalem to celebrate this festival. And I mean, God uses amazing things to get his will done and history because he's got all these collected pilgrims from all over the world in Jerusalem. And he picks that day for the giving of the Holy Spirit 
Peter to step up and preach the very first sermon, preaching the resurrected Jesus, and 3,000 of them were saved. And then guess what happens next? They go home, and they go all over the world. And they go home telling people about the resurrected Jesus. And the gospel begins to spread over, all over the Roman world, including, as some of you who, who attend here on the weekends, we're going through the book of Romans, and the church in Rome was started by Pentecost pilgrims who heard Peter preach and were saved. Then they went home to Rome, and they started a little church in their home, and that church grew. And eventually, that's the church that Paul was writing the, 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 his letter to. Isn't that cool? So Acts is a collection of stories like that, helping us to understand that this wasn't just a made-up fairy tale like once upon a time. This was, you know... Um, Caesar Tiberius and this date and this place and you know historical um, pointers and markers for us to understand these were real people that were doing just what we're doing gathering together in circles and trying to understand more of who Jesus is and and progressing you know in their journey together okay so you said Peter preached out of which book? Psalms and Joel Psalms and yeah okay and then before I forget um, it's just scary with me just being the only person tonight, so you guys got to keep me in line here. Um, the third category is instructional books, and we have 22 instructional books. So starting in the book of Romans, which we're studying together as a church right now, all the way through the book of Revelation, 22 instructional books. What does that mean? It means that the people who believed in the foundation of who Jesus is, that that's the purpose of the gospel, so we know who Jesus is and can believe in him, Jesus said, I came that you might have life, you might have life everlasting. That's why he came. So as we believe in him, we place our faith in him, we have life. Acts is, is the story of how historically the church began to spread that message. The 22 instructional books from Romans to Revelation are how the church was meant to live out their faith. So we talked about when we studied the book of James last year, the gospel is in James, the story about the good news of Jesus. But James isn't trying to highlight how do you become a Christian. James' purpose was to talk about how do you live as a Christian because he's writing to a group of people who have already decided to follow Jesus. The Gospels are written for people to know who Jesus is and place their faith and trust in Him. Does that make sense? So in the Old Testament, just for kicks, because um, we have both of them going on on campus tonight, in the Old Testament, same three categories. Um, we have foundational books, which is known as the Pentateuch, we um, hear the, the root word there of penta, a five, where we get our word pentagon. And so it's five books, and tuk is law, so there's five books of the law. And some of you may have heard it as the Torah, um, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And Moses was the narrator of all three. So that was the foundation of Judaism, those five books. So something interesting is you just think about world religions. Um, both Muslims, Jews, and Christians all believe in the five books of the Torah. Um, Can you say yes. again, um, what five books did Moses write? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. All right, so check this out. Maybe we'll do this next week. My first class, like my first Bible class, um, I didn't know anything, and I'm walking in, and the first, like, first day, write all the books of the Bible in order, spelled correctly. <laughs> and I was like, 
Uh, and then, so, but here's what it was. And it was a Monday, Wednesday, Friday class. Every day you come in, you do it until you get it right. And every, it was like five points off for every, every time you, you miss it. You just keep going down every day. And anyway, I've told my kids this. Like, I think it took me like three days. And I missed the second day I had it, but I put it, I put revelations instead of revelation. I put an S on the last, and he was like, see you Friday. And come back and try again. My anyway. Went to Montreal, and <laughs> Did they do that there? Well, her final exam in one class had, it was write the books of the Bible in order. And if you spelled them right, you got she ended up getting 120 on her. I did not. She got 120 no. on the exam. But she sat there doing that little Sunday school gym. Oh, nice. And, and she couldn't write as fast. She, she had like a mnemonic device. Head, yeah. So she'd have to cool. stop and do it again. It's a good way to remember stuff. I mean, honestly, songs, you know. An 80s song can come on right now. And I, I, I hate that I know some of the songs that I know, but they are in the catalog. And I'll start singing along. Okay. Where were we? We were on uh, instructional books from Romans to Revelation, Old Testament, first five books, foundational, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy means a second law, so it's a repetition of the law. And then uh, from Joshua all the way through Job, um, we've got um, historical books. Um, and then we pick up from there, and we've got 22 instructional books. So it's pretty cool how the Bible is ordered, and we can, we'll can we talk more about this. And if you take a survey class here, um, Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, we start in teaching about those three categories and how all the books break down together and fit together, um, which is pretty fun. Um, but I think just in understanding our lesson tonight about Jesus being eternal yesterday, today, and forever, it makes a little bit more sense when you know how the Bible is ordered and how it's categorized, how, how it fits together and tells one congruent story. Uh, about the story of redemption. Okay, I gotta keep going. Guys, don't let me get off too far on a path like that. Um, I thought tonight I would, um, I just wanna share a little bit of my story and I know I've shared uh, some of this if, you, if you're a part of New City, I've shared bits and pieces, but um, part of what we wanna do in, in most classes is um, to share stories about how we came to know Jesus. And Janet, if you weren't here last week, um, Please go back and listen to Janet's story. That was beautiful. Um, I grew up um, here in Charlotte. My mom and dad were not Christians. So we were um, the prototypical, uh, we were talking about this, uh, Easter Christmas um, family. And I was baptized as an infant. Um, and there's a whole thing about that, you know, um, about your parents being believers and baptizing your children. Well, my parents weren't believers. Um, so I don't know how that happened, but that happened. And my parents thought, like, we, we're good. Like, everybody's, you know, baptized. Check. Um, my mom uh, was invited to uh, um, a, a neighborhood gathering of, of ladies, and it was a, ended up being a study of Romans. And um, I should have brought it, it's on my desk, but I, I showed it in church one day as an old, an old study. Um, and, and so, and she stayed. She thought it was, I think, was just gonna be like a neighborhood tea, but it ended up being an inductive Bible study of Romans, but she stayed. And it was really through that study that she met Jesus and really came to understand the Jesus I never knew. That, you know, I thought I knew Jesus, but I had just, I had constructed this sort of, 
I'm trying to get into heaven 51 to 49 percent. I hope I've done more good things than bad things, and I hope you know I hope Jesus will accept me. Um, which sadly, um, I think a lot of people go through life thinking that you know just that I've just got to do more good things than bad things and never come to understand why Jesus came. What we talked about last week that why did he have to die? What is grace? Um, what where does faith play into this? And anyway, that was the story of my family until. I was about 10 years old when my mom came to know Jesus. Uh, of course, she began to tell us about Jesus. Um, and I do remember, I'll, I'll say this as a pastor now, like thinking this is going to ruin our weekends. Um, <laughs> like my Sunday mornings are shot now. Um, and I do remember like getting up on Sunday mornings and thinking, like looking at the clock, like are we going to church or are we not going to church? And actively pulling that we, that we wouldn't. Um, but we did, we did go a lot, and I began to hear the message of the gospel and discovering who Jesus was um, for myself, not just my mom, you know, but my own faith. My dad, um, at one Sunday morning, like kind of old school, like walked the center out. Like, pastor gave an invitation. Some of you want to accept Christ, and he went forward and did it. And I remember getting in the station wagon. We were at um, where Central Church of God is now up on um, Randolph and Sardis. Um, it used to be Calvary Church. That's where Calvary used to be. And um, so it was Calvary Church, and a man uh, preached there, and my dad went forward. I remember I was getting in the station wagon after church. It was a brown and tan station wagon. And I remember I, I had two sisters. I still, st- I still have two sisters. I have a twin sister and an older sister, and they got the middle row, and I was always in the back facing the back. Remember the seat that faced opposite? That was me um, in the back there. No seat belts. We never wore seat belts. Um, but I remember pulling out of church and my mom saying to my dad, are you going to tell them what happened today? And it was the first time I'd ever heard my dad talk about Jesus. Um, and that made a huge impact on me. And it wasn't long after that um, you know, I came to a place where I uh, asked Jesus to, to come into my life and to save me. And in my own way as a, as a 10-year-old of asking God to help me and coming into my life. I do, I remember this, guys. I remember getting out of my bed and kneeling down by my window and looking up at the stars and saying, Jesus, if you're real, you know, would you come into my life and save me? Would you help me? And then I remember getting back into bed and going to sleep. And it, for a while, I never told anybody. And then finally, I realized, like, you're supposed to talk to somebody about that um, because there's there's more. Um, there's like more things like that you can know and, um, you know, how to follow Jesus and all things. But I would just tell you guys, like, basically from 10 or 11 years old until I was middle of high school, I was still kind of asleep spiritually. I do believe that the Lord came into my life and something changed in me, but I wasn't really following Jesus. Um, I ended up going to um, a Christian college that I had never heard of. Um, but they offered me a scholarship, and I was like, I'll go. I'll take it. I had no idea. Um, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me um, because it was, it was there that I really learned how to follow Jesus, like that there was more than just checking a box to go to heaven, that maybe Jesus had something to say about what I do for a living, like how I treat people, um, like how I handle my money, you know, all kinds of stuff. I had no idea that I ever wanted to be a pastor. Um, I just was getting a business degree. And um, I'll stop here, but I, 
we were at a chapel service, and I can't remember the man's name, but he was preaching, and he asked people to come forward if they felt like God was calling them to be in vocational ministry. And I can't explain it, but something happened in me, and I found myself going forward by myself. It was a room of like five, 6,000 people, and walking forward. I, I, I remember distinctively, have you ever like felt like you were watching yourself and telling yourself to stop doing something? Um, I remember telling myself to go and sit back down. Um, like, what are you doing um, going up here? But there was just something in my spirit that just led me forward. And I just felt like the Lord was calling me. So I did, just knelt down there on the floor and this man prayed over me and I can't explain it, but just like that night that I asked Jesus into my, my life, something changed in me. Um, and it was like, there's nothing else that I could, could do. Um, and I, I can share the rest of the story some other time, but that um, is my, I also met Jen there in biology class. So we, we both of us joke that neither of us, if you know us, are science biology people. Um, it was just our required credit to get our degree. So um, we joked that each other were the best thing that came out of, of, of biology class. Um, yeah, so that's how I came to know Jesus. And I moved back here just really quickly and pastored at another church called Forest Hill Church um, here in town. I was the associate pastor and youth pastor and care pastor and discipleship and everything. Uh, for a long time, and then Jen and I planted what is now our Matthews location in our living room back in 2010. Um, so this, this coming May will be 25 years for me, uh, full-time vocational ministry, um, which is crazy. It's starting to get old. Um, or you guys are like, you are old. Um, so that's a little bit of my journey. Um, all right, I want to take us into our story tonight. Um, you know, we always want to um, bring us back to the scriptures and Again, we're, we're using the scriptures as our foundation to ask and, and hopefully begin to wrestle with good questions about who was Jesus. And the story that I wanted to share tonight, and you're welcome to just write the reference down, or if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, you're welcome to. But um, I want to take us to the Gospel of Luke. So remember, Luke is one of our foundational books. He's um, giving us a selected biography of who Jesus is and what he did. Um, and Luke is our first-rate historian, so he's writing Luke and the book of Acts together um, as a collection of stories about Jesus. And this is, um, this is after the resurrection in Luke chapter 24, and Jesus um, appears uh, to some folks on, on the road. And it's actually not this scene, but before we get to the actual text, um, uh, Robbie wrote this question, what do you imagine Peter and Jesus are talking about as they, as they walk here? So let's just take a minute and kind of look at the image. You can kind of look at expressions from what you know about Jesus, from what you know about Peter. And let's just, before we dive into Luke 24, go around the room if you have a, a thought about what they could be talking about here. I actually don't remember where this scene is from. Do you know where it's from, Vu? I do. It's from I, The Chosen, but yeah. yeah it's from the chosen. I, I think it was, it was the part where they're, uh, it's the day of the Sabbath. They're are they plucking uh, yeah, they're, yeah, they're the, the heads? First, yeah. This is them going to the temple first, but they were also talking about afterwards, like, the day of the Sabbath, we can't, you know, pick up, pluck a thing. And yeah. 
break and all that stuff. And he's like, we'll break it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm giving you guys the A-OK to do it. And I, I think at this time, it, this conversation is really about pure questioning. He's like, can we do this? I mean, where, you know, I, I don't want to break any rules. Yeah. But at the same time, like, we're starving here. Yeah. I, you know, he's sharing his concerns. Yeah. I think, isn't that where Jesus says um, the Sabbath was made for man, not yeah. for God? Yeah. 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 That was great. Yeah. That was this, this episode. Okay. <laughs> are, you, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I feel like Jesus probably thought, uh, maybe he didn't, but probably thought that a lot. Come on, guys. Right. He looks worried. Yeah. I'll say more about that, Pat. I'm, I'm getting a zoom in here. I'm trying to look at his face here. <laughs> Hmm. Like we're doing that. Hmm. And are we ready to do it? <laughs> Not recalling the background of the, from the movie or the show, but Jesus fishing Yeah, yeah. Asking about a miracle. What? Yeah, what's your what's your secret? <laughs> What do we know about Peter? Robbie had mentioned this, I think, two classes ago. Um, and you can kind of see it even in his posture. Like, he's ahead of everybody else. He's the one walking beside Jesus, you know. He's got Jesus' attention. Um, front of the line type, type guy. He looks aggressive. Yeah, I think he was aggressive. Which, nothing wrong with being aggressive, right, if you're doing it in the right ways but everything wrong if you're doing it in the wrong ways. But he, he looks like the type of guy Peter does that you're going to know where he stands. He's not going to be a wallflower. What does wallflower mean? I don't really know. I think it's like a, I think it's a colloquial, I think it's like wallpaper. Yeah, it's like the decoration on a, like a wall, like you're a wallflower. You're yeah. like that's a great, that's a great question though. We probably should retire that since nobody uses wallpaper anymore. No, no it's a, the band or the song? There's a lot of songs about it. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Wallflowers. You know the band, the Wallflowers? No. Oh, really? You've never heard of them? Uh-uh. Okay. It's happening to me tonight. And from day, day, we were talking about another band before you guys came in. Yeah, the Wallflowers. Yeah. All right, let's jump into our text. I'm, 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 I can feel myself slipping. Um, all right, I'm going to read, and I just want you to, um, yeah, if you want to follow along in, in a text, you can, or just kind of a, imagine it in your mind's eye as I'm, as I'm reading here. And by the way, um, we just pulled a little bit of the text here. This road right here in the picture on the screen is the road to Emmaus. That's the actual road to Emmaus. Um, and Robbie actually dropped that in here from a trip that he was on. Um, where he took that picture. So that, that is actually the road to Emmaus, um, what it would have looked like, um, the scene that I'm going to read here from Luke 24. The same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. Remember, this is after the resurrection. But God kept them from recognizing him. 
He asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, um, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. I love this question from Jesus. What things? Um, The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priest and the other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. We had hoped, I mean, listen to these words, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. This is Resurrection Sunday. And they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus, listen to these words, verse 27, Luke 24. Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses. Okay, why did we go through the Old Testament? So the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, the Torah, are the writings of Moses. So what did Jesus take them to? He takes them to the Torah, the five books that they would have known. And he explains from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, this is a monumental passage. So in your Bibles, piece of paper, wherever, you need to write Luke 24, 27. Because basically what Jesus is saying is that all of the scriptures, all of the stories of the Bible are pointing to him. He, he takes them to all the stories they learned as good Jewish boys and says, you thought you were just learning about some mystic or some messiah, some far off, whatever, but you were learning about me. And he actually takes them to the Torah, to the writings of Moses, um, to show them this. It's, it's, it's a beautiful word. By this time, let me finish. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus, the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he was going to go on, but they begged him, stay with us uh, since it was getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down to eat, this is so beautiful, he took the bread and blessed it, and then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were open, and they recognized him. And at that moment, he disappeared. They said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem, There they found the eleven disciples and the others who had gathered with them and said, The Lord really has risen. He appeared to Peter. Um, This is a fantastic story. Uh, Again, the reference is um, Luke 24, verses uh, um, 13 through 33. And again, Emmaus was this little outpost village um, on on the the middle of nowhere. Uh, Some of you may have grown up in places where you had to take a back road, um, and you knew it like the back of your hand, you know, to get home. Um, this was that type of road. 
um, to get to get to Emmaus. And these two disciples are walking back home, basically thinking that Jesus really isn't who he said he was. Um, we had hoped um, that he was going to be the Messiah that was going to save Israel, but but he died, and it's it's over. So we're on our way back home. And when Jesus appears, he begins to teach them and explain to them who he is from the scriptures. And again, this is a this is an exclamation mark type passage of helping us to understand that all of the Bible is telling one redemptive story. So as we think about our three categories tonight, foundational, instructional, or uh, foundational, historical, instructional, that all of those types of books are pointing to Jesus and helping us to understand who he is. And Jesus uses the Old Testament to show them who he is and, and what had to happen. Um, I wonder just for a couple more minutes, like as you heard it or as you see the passage up here, like what stuck out to you in the passage um, or what, what was meaningful to you as you listened to it? Or what do you have a question about? Yeah. Yes. They doubted. Let me, I love that you said that, Pat. Um, just real quick. You know, the Great Commission, right? Jesus' last command. I want you to listen. This is, this is his last word before he ascends to heaven. I want you to listen to this. The 11 disciples left Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus told them. <laughs> Matthew 28, 17. When they saw him, the, who, who was it? The 11 disciples. So Judas is gone. Now we're down to 11. When they saw Jesus, they worshiped him. Now listen to these words. But some of them doubted. So this is why we talk about, like, back to our class rules, like, we got to create space where people can ask questions and poke holes and even doubt. The disciples themselves who saw this with their own eyes still had doubts. They had questions. They didn't understand it all. Um, so that's such a great observation, Pat. Thank you for that. And if they were right there with Jesus and doubted, and we're removed, and we can't sit down and talk to them like they did. That's what Jesus said, blessed are those who will not see but still believe. You know, when his, he said to his disciples, you've seen, uh, but there's a whole other group of people coming that, that will not see but still believe. It's the expectation that a king could be crucified. Yeah. 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 They were expecting True. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They had an expectation, and it yeah. wasn't it wasn't met, right. or at least it didn't seem to be met. Right. Yeah. Anything else from the passage? Yes, and I love that you pointed that out because that's when they're 
they recognized him was when he blessed the bread and broke it and they probably flashed back to the night in the upper room and, and probably a lot of other meals that they shared with him. Yes. That's right. Yeah. 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 That's right. for sharing Ruben. Okay, anybody else? I want to cut anybody off. Okay, I want to show you something else. Um, so just in keeping with our theme of Jesus is eternal, he's always existed. Um, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. When he goes to explain himself to the disciples and reveal himself, he goes back you know, to the writings of Moses. He goes back in the past to show them how it's affecting the present and even pointing to the future. But there's another great passage in Numbers um, about a story of the people of God, the people of Israel who were on a journey from Egypt to the Promised Land. And just a little bit of context. So Moses is called to redeem his people, to rescue his people. There's a whole story there in Exodus that you can go and read uh, of God forming Moses. His first 40 years, he basically lived as an Egyptian. Uh, then he commits a crime. He kills an Egyptian. He covers it up. Uh, he's kicked out of Egypt. He's scorned by the Jews, so he's not really an Egyptian, but he's not really a Jew. And he finds himself in a place called Midian, um, where he spends 40 years tending a flock um, and just basically being a, a farmer in obscurity. And it's at 80 years old that God appears to Moses in a burning bush and calls him to what would be the most formative and impactful years of his life, the last third of his life, which is his last 40 years that God calls him to go back to Egypt and redeem and rescue his people. And Moses is a forerunner of Jesus. He's a, a miniature of Jesus. He's a picture of a redeemer and rescuer. So he's leading people you know, into the promised land and they're in the wilderness and all kinds of bad things are happening to them, including uh, being attacked and snake bites and all kinds of stuff. So we're catching up to them in the middle of the wilderness and you're gonna see a scene of Moses and then another man named Joshua who would eventually become his successor. And God has asked Moses to do this weird thing, which he asked Moses to do a lot of weird things. Um, and you're gonna just listen to the dialogue for, I think it runs about three minutes and then we'll have a conversation. And there's a reason why I'm showing you this clip because I wanna show you something in the scriptures um, that kind of point to the past, the present, and the future. So, um, do you wanna grab, it might be better in the lights maybe. I want the full experience here. Hopefully we've got sound. Let's test it. Okay. Yeah, did you notice it? Yeah. Yeah, pretty cool. 
Okay, so a foundational verse for us tonight is, uh, is Hebrews 13, 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And um, I'm going to skip the little question here. We'll, we'll come back to that. But I want to just stay in our passage here. And why did we talk about this story from Numbers 21, which is kind of this obscure story where, again, the people are in a wilderness, serpents are attacking them, people are dying every day. <clears throat> And God tells Moses to craft this bronze serpent and put it on a pole. And I don't know that we know it was a cross, but I think it's a pretty cool interpretation that um, as the people looked upon it um, and believed that they would be saved. And this was just, this was an act of faith. So here's the actual passage if you want to uh, write it down. Josh, or, uh, Numbers 21, verse 8. So the very words that you saw there in cho- the chosen are being... Uh, that Moses gives are from Numbers 21.8. Okay, so there's, there's a look at Jesus yesterday, you know, during the time of Moses, an act of faith. You may not remember this, but John actually, or Jesus actually uses these words in his conversation with Nicodemus. Remember, we saw Nicodemus a couple weeks ago in The Chosen. And remember, we said that the context of John 3.16, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him shouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. Maybe the most well-known verse in the Bible is in the context of a conversation. That it wasn't Jesus preaching, it was just him talking to someone who was trying to discover Jesus and trying to understand who Jesus was. And so Nicodemus it was a leading priest and teacher, and he sneaks out at night to find Jesus so nobody will see him. And in the context of this conversation with Jesus, he Jesus utters probably the most famous verse in the Bible. But before he does, he remember before he gets to 16, he uses numbers, numbers 21, um, where Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. So the very same thing that happened in the wilderness, Jesus is basically saying, you know, I'm going to be lifted up on a pole. Um, in a wilderness full of vipers and snakes where people are perishing, and anybody who looks upon me and believes will be saved. And he's going all the way back to the story in Numbers, and then it gets even better. Um, in Philippians you know, 2, one of our passages that we looked at last week, where Paul is talking about the character of Christ, he says he's humbled himself to obedience, uh, obedience to God, and died a criminal's death on a cross, Therefore, God elevated him to the highest position of honor and gave him the name that's above every name. So I just thought it was kind of cool, and, and Robbie and Janet and Gabe and I kind of put this together of thinking about that just one story. You know, as we think about every story in the Bible is a plumb line to Jesus. It's, it's pointing us to Jesus. And to look at a story like that, that's kind of a strange story. I mean, crafting a, a bronze snake in the middle of nowhere. And Joshua is basically saying, you've lost your mind, Moses. Like, um, we got to just get out here and help people. And I love the little line there where Moses says, I've learned not to question, um, but just to do what he says. Um, so I just, I would love for us to just take a couple minutes, whether it was the, uh, from the clip that you watched, I think, you know, uh, scenes have, you know, a picture speaks a thousand words and sometimes a video can speak, you know, 10,000 words. Um, and so if there's just something that you noticed in that, or even from the passage as we connect Jesus being eternal yesterday, today, and forever, um, that you'd like to share with the class, I want to just open it up for a minute. <clears throat> something from the scene itself or even in the passages here.
say something that I don't understand? Why would Moses put a snake, a metal snake, on the cross? I thought they didn't like the idols. Yeah, and that's basically what Joshua says. This is a pagan symbol. Um, it's interesting if you look at a um, a medical. I know that's you know, what it takes. Yeah. Medical, yeah, that's it. It's from this story. Okay. It's from this story. So if you go and look at a medical license or a uh, a paramedic's badge or whatever, you're going to see the snake on a pole. And it's from this story of of people looking and being saved upon that. But you're right, Pat. Like, and that's what Joshua was saying. Like Moses. This is a pagan symbol. You know, why would God do that? And I, I, I can't answer that. I don't know. But, uh, but it was an exercise, like, like Moses said, not of reason but of faith. That the, the exercise was not in the object itself. It was that people would look upon it and believe uh, that God could save them. And then, crazy enough, Jesus uses that very story with Nicodemus to explain faith and what's going to happen to the Son of Man. Anybody else? That's pretty cool, right? Am I the only one that thinks that's neat? Okay. I didn't notice that I like the position hmm. of the cross. Yeah, do you see the cross in the background there? Mm-hmm. Now, we're not told in the Bible that it was a cross. We're told it was a pole. But I think it's a great artistic How rendering. Would you put yeah. A snake yeah. On a great pole. point. It would slide down. Great point. I like it. And Jesus was met by the serpent in the woods, the snake. And in the garden. And in the garden. Pretty cool, huh? So that's what he used to try to um, talk Nicodemus. Yeah, so he's, he's sharing with Nicodemus about the purpose of Messiah, and he uses this story that Nicodemus would have known because Nicodemus would have been an expert in the law. And he uses that as a metaphor to say, in the same way that Moses lifted up a snake in wilderness, the Son of Man's going to be lifted up, and people have to look upon him and believe. Isn't that something? <clears throat> Okay, I want to cut anybody off, but I don't want to be labor either. Everybody good? Okay. I thought we just we'll just do one table discussion tonight, and let's let's talk about this one. Just how have you seen Jesus in different parts of the Bible? And maybe what we'll do. I, li- I like what Robbie does. Um, just maybe just a couple things, and then if you can have a reporter from each table, just give us one or two things um, that you heard around the table. And I tell you what, um, Matt and Joanne, let's let's join. We can all get in, I think, on two tables tonight, and then we'll we'll report back. Just a couple minutes. All right. <clears throat> all right. Are we are we ready to report? Can everybody pick a reporter from your table? Maybe just share like one one or, one or two things that that you. <laughs> Or being voluntold to be the reporter. Um, let's just share one, like our top one to two things that uh, would be good for the whole group to hear in response to the question. How, how have you seen Jesus in different parts of the Bible? 
Ruben, you want to start? I was volunteering the tribute. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, it's in like I guess the two summarizing things that I would, I would say as we're bringing together on this, that not only does everything point to him, but in addition to everywhere in the Old Testament and the New Testament pointing to him, it's also pointing forward, hmm. just as he does as well. Hmm. There's, a, there's an attitude he takes in, in, in the flesh when he does come down as a human, even with Nicodemus as well, and the scriptures that we just read about that he's talking about, you know, the new people that will arrive that didn't see but still believe. Mm. And also, you know, the reference to him being risen up is, is all it's all pointing to even back just as it does in the Old Testament as it points to him and not only points to him but points forward mm. in a um, in a way of, you know, just as you mentioned in the beginning, perfection isn't is a time stopper of progress. Yeah. He is pointing to a progress that will always happen through That's the good. broken people, the folks that doubt. That's good. Thank you, guys. Good conversation. All right. Do we have a spokesperson from us from our table here? <laughs> I guess I was appointed. Okay. Uh, uh, let's see. So um, I, I, we cover a lot. I mean, you mentioned like he, healer, different roles in the Bible. Uh, like I didn't hear anything you said that. Yeah. <laughs> Are you talking about like, just to make sure I understand the question, like um, that Jesus died in a point in time, mm -hmm. but that that was going to be for future people that hadn't even been yeah. born? Is that what yeah, you're saying? Yeah. yeah. So that's the eternal part. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's what they're saying. Well, we thought he was our Messiah. Yeah. He was going to save us. And it's like, well, being saved doesn't mean that works the way that we thought it would. Yeah. So. Yeah. Does it's about the historical context, too. Yeah. yeah. And the meaningfulness of the before and the after, I think. Yeah. Right, so because we've only lived, you know, we only lived after Jesus, not yeah. before Jesus. Yeah. So 
it's hard to understand, hard to grasp. I think yeah. the linear nature of it, yeah. the fact that dead and alive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that, that lends to Jesus as a sacrifice and then the role of your of sacrifices in the Old Testament mm-hmm. to get right with God and yeah. that sort of being the, the last one that needed to be made. Right. And I think that ties it all together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, this is kind of a matrix kind of like that the sacrificial system in the Old Testament was pointing forward. This may be what you're fully like to Jesus, but and then Jesus's sacrifice was was forward to people who hadn't even been born yet, even volitionally sinned yet. Mm-hmm. That was covering forward too, but it was also you know covering past and mm-hmm. that ultimately, as people looked upon a bronze snake or they offered an animal sacrifice, that in a way all of that was culminating in. The completed work of Christ, that He was the final sacrifice in that sacrificial system, which is kind of like, okay, um, and then forever that was enough. That we we don't need to sacrifice animals anymore. We don't need you know. There's already been shed blood that covered in the future, so it is kind of a um, past, future, forward you know, kind of thing. I know it's getting late; it's, not, it's eight o'clock, but yeah, it's kind of <laughs> weird to think about all those things. So. Great, great, um, great question and point there. Okay, we ready to, to, to wrap up? Close. Sh- that you just said that, Chris. I just, when you just said that, I just realized they don't ever sacrifice animals in the New Testament. No. No, unless they're having barbecue to eat, eat it or, you know, like Peter does, but yeah. All right, here's a, um, here's a quick little little preview of where we're going. These are not necessarily in sequential order, obviously, but like we're, um, we've been trying to uh, catalog some of the questions and we're getting slot in kind of where we want to focus in on some of those. So you'll notice that seven and eight, week seven and eight are going to be busy weeks for us to look at some questions that have come up, um, which this is week four. Is that right? Yeah. So in three weeks, we'll be into the thick of it. Um, so don't want to miss it. So I do want to ask, like, are there any other um, questions that we want to add to our list that I can catalog to see if we can? We're almost halfway through, guys. It's nine sessions. Yes. I just had a question kind of, I thought about it like last week and then talking about this week. Um, I'm going to write it and then take a picture of it so I can make sure. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be Robbie here. Then this week about how he's eternal and like he wasn't created, he always existed. Like I guess just in a more literal sense, like I tend to think of things a little bit more literally. Um, like how so we see Jesus being born, and then from just my very basic knowledge, like all the stories are when he is like a man. Like, is there any reference to him as like a child, or how did he live like his? You know, sinless, like as a child or other any stories of him. I feel like we see him be born, and then I see him as like an adult. Um, and so I'm just kind of wondering, like the in between. Love it. Rough teenage years. Yeah. Any any temp- temper tantrums or yeah. 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 Did he get along with all of his siblings? We know that he had at least six siblings, so I'm sure there were some 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 arguments. Honor thy mother and father. 
yet he stayed back in the temple. Yeah. And his earthly parents kept going. That wasn't honoring them. But it was honoring his heavenly father. Mm. So that's something that I have trouble trying to explain to people. Okay. Yeah. Anybody else? Something we can put on the board? Where is the church today? What church? The church. Big C? Little C? Big C. Yeah. Tell me more about that question. Well, just like the history of church. The history of, I mean, I mean, it can be sort of granular in like denominations, right? And how how church meets the world and being in the world, but a perspective of where, how do we think the church is in the world but meeting the world right now? Because there's a lot of sort of distortion and noise. And like the church being a community of people? Like where is the community at? But also the, where we come oh. Right, yeah. The, the, the ordination. Okay. Does that make sense? No. Big questions. Yes. Huge questions. Yeah, um, those are on y'all, though. The, the yeah. Preachers. yeah so. <laughs> that'll, that'll be week 10. This would be, you know, it's funny because we talked about doing a church history course in the academy, which would be a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. But that's a great question. Robbie mentions Christianity is the only religion that has changed its Yes, so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four to five times as it adapts to the environment based on the Christians living in the region. So he had mentioned like South South America, Africa as a whole. Europe. Yeah, I think yeah, Europe as well. North America. That's where I was like scratching my head too. Yeah. But Drew's right on point on that as well because the Christianity has such an international presence. And I think where it's difficult is we, it's easier for us to meet people where they are in the communities that we work and live in. But when we go out to say the Chinas of the world, just as an example, like how do I make sure that yeah. what I'm telling folks is inclusive of the language Jesus, you know? So good. Yeah. I'd love to pick up on that because I, I, that stuck with me too. And thinking about how portable the gospel is, yeah. that just just basic facts on world religion that most every other world religion has stayed in its place of origin or near its place of origin where Christianity has moved. The center of Christianity has moved multiple times, which says it can overcome culture and background and language, um, which is amazing and wonderful. Okay. Anything else? These are great guys. Um, I'm going to screenshot these. That's all I got. <laughs> I gave it my best, guys. So just remember, you know, substitute teacher, just be kind. Um, so, yeah, next week we'll, we'll continue on to chapter or week five. I just would encourage you guys again, I don't, I don't, um, um, kind of with our guide there, like the more you read, the more you get into it, the more you're going to get out. So if you haven't started, I'm going to get you the book, Boo. If you haven't started the book, um, read a chapter this week, you know. Pick it up and engage it, and we'll pick up next week. Can, can I pray for us? And we'll go. God, thanks for each of my friends 
thank you for our, our rich conversations tonight. And um, I just I just think about you know what if we were on that road to Emmaus with you, and imagining what that would be like. And thank you that you've given us the scriptures and each other to to make yourself known to us. So as we continue on our journey, um, help us to discover more of who you are, Jesus. And it's your name I ask this. Amen. All right. Be safe going home. Thank you, guys. All right.